0: Every single thing that we think about is our own story in our head. Our brain doesn't have a filter of knowing what is true and what is false. It just accepts everything that we tell it. So if all around you people say you're not confident in public speaking and you continue to say that in your head, what's going to happen is that your mind is going to program that as it's true it's going to affect your beliefs, then it's going to affect your feelings, and then it's going to affect your actions. And so it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically.
1: This podcast was started as a supplement for my daily creative newsletter on Substack called the honest creative find more at honestcreative.substack.com that's honestcreative.substack.com hello boys and girls welcome to the episode number one of the honest creative podcast in this episode i talk with my dear friend michelle strukov michelle is a very interesting guest He currently operates an agency in Switzerland and helps online entrepreneurs to create a strong personal brand and attract clients using social media. He also publishes four to five times a week on LinkedIn and has a pretty solid following there. In this episode, I talk with him about his journey as a content creator and online entrepreneur, the passion economy in general, how to use LinkedIn to promote yourself, and why it's not just a business network anymore. We ended our conversation on a deep note, the way I like it, and talked about books, sleep, and the narratives that shape our thoughts and daily actions, as well as how we can change those narratives to become better human beings. Please, without further ado, enjoy this episode with Michelle. I must say, I'm a pretty nervous doing this Ask. Creating a podcast about content creation as a career has been on my mind for quite some time. And I procrastinated, I postponed starting it because I was busy writing my Medium, writing my Substack newsletter, which recently became Daily and really otherwise wasting time. But now I finally did it. And I have with me, Michelle Strukov, uh, who kindly agreed to be my first guest. So Michelle, welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sergey. And I, uh, just with your little introduction, I sense of a lot of passion going through of what you do and all about content creation. So congratulations on, on this uh, yeah, very first step on a very long journey, I guess.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. And I really just want to start with asking, how was the quarantine for you?
0: Oh, well, it was kind of special. I mean, I think it's Nobody expected it, I would say. It was very unexpected. And, uh, but to be honest, for me, for my work, for what I do, uh, my lifestyle, general lifestyle didn't change that much. I mean, I usually go and do a lot of sports outside. I mean, like to meet friends and stuff. So basically with that, I mean, there was nothing. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't even possible. But otherwise, on work, nothing really changed, because I am used to working from home, I'm used to working on my laptop, you know, so yeah, I was just basically uh, not very comforting to work from home, although all the time, yeah.
1: Yeah, same here. I actually heard a statistic recently that about 30 or 35% of people didn't return to work after the pandemic ended in London. Uh, That was a statistic from London. So yeah, and and I think that for people of the new job generation, if you could call them that way, I, I, I think that nothing really changed for us because, I mean, as you mentioned, I was working back at home as well and nothing really changed for me. But I mean, you started talking about what it is you do. Could you... A, a bit expand on that, like when you come to a conference and people introduce themselves, how do you typically introduce yourself?
0: Well, I always introduce myself in very short form. I mean, I am a marketer. I'm very passionate about marketing in general, very passionate about personal branding. So that's like a very specific type of, of marketing. And what I do is I help independent consultants and coaches to create a strong personal brand around their business and to attract clients instead of doing the cold outreach and waiting for months and years for their content to convert.
1: And how does that look like? Like, is it content marketing? We talked earlier that you do a lot of LinkedIn, and I definitely want to jump in on that later. But could you just briefly explain what what you help entrepreneurs
0: with? Yeah, so I actually go deep down in the whole, I would say, marketing process, starting with, I would say, the very basics, and that's defining your ideal client, defining your ideal avatar, working through positioning, working on a very strong marketing strategy through content and through creating relationships, through creating basically a kind of a community around yourself in order for you to become the very center point and to lead the way basically for all, the whole community. And and that way, really create through through content, through also some personal content, not only talking about business, create a real human connection in order to when you when you're willing, you can just basically invite people to come in and to become your clients.
1: That's really interesting. So you basically help entrepreneurs and business owners become thought leaders in their specific area.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And- That's uh. A-
1: Th- that kind of re- relates to um, this question that I wanted to ask you is that when you are promoting something on, let's say, LinkedIn or social media and you have a business, uh, what's the best strategy to call forward? Should you promote it through your own brand, through your personal brand or through the business brand? Like uh, what are the downsides and upsides of different approaches?
0: Okay, well, it's a good question because I actually sometimes talk about this in my content. For me, there's not really... Uh, a difference between a B2C or a B2B business in terms of uh, marketing. At the end of the day, there's a human behind the screen and that's the human that's going to make the, the last decision on whether to contact you or not. So what is the most important thing for me is to really think about that and to create a connection with the human. And so talking as, as if you were a company I I mean, I think you you understand, like we have a much, I would say it's much harder to create a strong connection with some kind of company. I mean, it's easier to create a connection with a brand that stands with some values and a really strong vision, but the real connection is created with a person and with a human being. And that's where, um, like, that's why we actually talk about our idols, our favorite, I don't know, kind of. People, we talk about people, we don't really talk about companies, brands. I mean, yes, we do, but you see what I mean,
1: right? Right, right. I I used to have an agency, uh, back in Moscow when I used to live in Russia, and I remember brands came up to me and said, I mean, B2B marketing doesn't work on Facebook. And I always ask them a question. Yes, but okay, there are people working in other companies, right? So you can target those people. You can target employees through Facebook. And through LinkedIn, it's even easier because you have like such a detailed uh, targeting and different advertising opportunities. But I mean, let's say that I create a company, right? I have a SaaS product. And there's always this problem with, I mean, you have a lot of different people working at your company and it's a brand, right? And you want to keep the brand image, okay? And should you write like when you write blog posts or when you write Facebook, LinkedIn posts, should you say like we or should you say I should you like talk uh, to, if you're a marketing director? Should you like write it as your own blog, like when you're doing a company blog or like h- how do you go about this? Because I-, I think it's a tricky question, like because I used to work at a content marketing at a company and it was always like a problem for me to write from first person, you know, because I'm writing from the point of view of a company and I can't really write like I, and I can't really like share my own perspective, but uh, I wonder what thoughts you have on that.
0: Yeah, it's actually a very tricky question. And I think you have to really reflect on the type of business you have, the type of the number of employees, the type of employees that you have. I mean, not every employee is going to be willing to put themselves out there and create a personal brand just working for a company, you know? Right. Even if I think it's a very good, I think it's a very good thing because that employee, if he invests in his personal brand, well, then it just stays with him for later. Like you you can do whatever you want with it. Right. But in terms of company, it's, it's actually a very difficult, difficult thing, but I really do think it's important to talk about we as a company but promote the people in the company. Right, and right, right. Share their stories. To really promote the people that are in it, share their story, share what they actually have specific to to say, because everybody has something, something different to say, and really focus on doing that.
1: Right. That's really interesting. So in, in, in that example that I mentioned, so if I'm a content marketing, I can become the face of the company and I can build my brand around it. And as you said, it's an asset that stays with you, even if you get like laid off or anything. Right. And uh, you can also help other employees and just make them seen. Right. So the company becomes more human. I like that approach. So basically everyone on your content team becomes like a blogger for the company and the company is one big media company. That's interesting. Well, for, uh, for as long yeah.
0: as those employees are actually, you know, willing to to expose themselves and willing to talk, yeah. but, but I always encourage people to do that. Always. Right,
1: right, 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 right. But if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, and I don't know, your marketing director doesn't really w- want to go all in, uh, I don't think that you want him to stay as a marketing director, right? Uh, exactly. Because I, I think it's an ideal scenario where you have employees who are so emotionally invested in the company that they're ready to get out there and become thought leaders in the area that we're, you're working in. But we digress and I mean, we really, I really want to talk about content creation. And this podcast is all about like making a career out of content creation. Now, can I call you a full-time content creator?
0: Yes, I think you can call me a full-time creator. I mean, I create content, what, five times a week right now. And I started uh, to create content regularly four to five times a week since November last year. Very beginning when I started to create content, I think it was June last year, but regularly it's since November. So I think you can say that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a regular content creator.
1: Nice. And what's the story behind that? Like we talked earlier before we went on record that you create a lot of content for LinkedIn. Is that is that how you promote your agency? Is that how you promote yourself? What's the story behind it? How you got into that?
0: Well, I think it's, it's best to... I think go very back in why I decided to become an entrepreneur, why I decided to do this. I think the very first story that I have to tell you is I always wanted to do something myself. I always wanted to create a positive impact and to, you know, become known, maybe not known. Well be you know, just to create a positive impact and do something in this world. And the very first internship that I had, and it was also my last internship. It was actually only during two or three weeks and it was in a real estate agency. I went there, I was supposed to do accounting and yeah, basically it was, it was a very tough experience for me in terms of, you know, just going through looking how the future might look for me. And it just, you know, was a bit demoralizing and because of this, I Told myself, well, I I just don't want to work for someone else. This is just not for me because I have my own ways of optimizing things. I have my own ways of doing things. And I want to attain my, you know, attain my potential that way. So this is the first point. And then the second point was mostly about just before uni. I was deciding where I want to go, what I want to do. And there was this, I think there was uh this kind of conference. It was a day where multiple people from different different job titles, they came and presented their job basically. What you have to do? What you have to do to study and then how does the work, how is the work, how does it, how does that actually happen? And nothing inspired me until the very last conference where it was entrepreneurship. There was this guy who came on the stage. I mean we were only 30 people, 30, 40 people inside that, you know, some inside that room. Whereas all the other conferences were like 300, 400 people. And I suddenly told myself, well, wh- why? Why are there so many people? And I started to get even more like sad already because it's the last one. Like, what am I going to do now? And I just got so hooked by this guy's story. Like, you know, you know entrepreneurs are. They're very open-minded. They're very willing to share stuff. And I just got hooked by a story. And I told myself, well, that's exactly the person I want to become. That's exactly who I want to be. You know, that kind of person who shares his story on the stage and gives value to people, creates a positive impact. And who and was that? It was, he was a CEO of Switcher. Switcher is, is a Swiss company that makes polos and makes basically yeah, um, clothes. I don't think they actually exist now, but <laughs> <laughs> he the company he founded the company back in like the 80s. And uh, but yeah, that, at that time, he was still the CEO and he was still there. And yeah, so actually, not, it's funny you asked me this, but not too long ago, I just decided to text this guy on LinkedIn. And I just, you know, and, uh, and I just said, well, thank you. Like, you you really inspired me to become inter- an entrepreneur. And so and uh, well, he replied, he was just, you know, quick reply, nothing, nothing crazy. I think he he has his own stuff to do. But he said, yeah, I think you you're on the on the good path. And I'm happy for you. Basically, So
1: that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It, it, it's fascinating how, how for him, what's his name? You didn't
0: mention. I'm not sure, but it's Robert something. I uh, remember. Well, Rob yeah. is
1: enough. So, yeah. so Robert. I mean, for him, it was just like another keynote, another speech, and he didn't even know that he would make such an impact on somebody's life, but he did. And mm. it's always fascinating how random it happens, right?
0: Yeah, true, true. It's the law, I guess, of human attraction is very, very powerful. And this, yeah, this basically worked on me. And I remember getting back home after that conference, and I just knew what I was going to do. I I knew that this was what I wanted to do. And so I followed the footsteps to going to uni, studying business, studying economics, the usual stuff, and uh, during those, uh, those studies, I actually found two of my friends with, with who actually started this, uh, this business of uh, marketing.
1: You guys are still partners, right? Yeah, we are. Okay. And uh, so, okay, so you, you realize that you want to become an entrepreneur. You graduated from uni, and that was in Switzerland, right? Yeah. I, I, and you still live in Switzerland, and you created this company, an agency. And <laughs> did you start doing LinkedIn marketing like from the very beginning?
0: No, not at all. It was funny because w- what we did, we just saw an opportunity of social media in general. We, we saw mm-hmm. it booming. We saw that there's, there's an opportunity. This is basically the future of marketing, of the world, where the world is going. And that was the initial thought. And the more, the more, the more and more I started to going into the subject, really living the social media marketing, well, I started to really love it. And being passionate about being very curious, willing to learn more and more, and what we started to do is just you know go out to uh regular small to medium sized businesses around where we live at the, the area where we live, and to offer you know just to take care of their social media marketing because... so you
1: just showed up at the doorstep and knock knock like my name is Michelle, we have this agency What did they reply? were you rejected a lot?
0: Of course. And uh, it's a funny story because my very first time that I did the door-to-door, I remember it as it was yesterday. We knocked the door, we came in, and this guy was like a huge hater of social media. He was convinced (laughs) that it's all just BS and this is no way possible. And, you know, and I guess at that time, I didn't even know that it's not worth even trying to convince someone who has that kind of a strong perception we tried to talk our way through but it just didn't work you know but yeah the very first experience i had is just knocking doors and just presenting myself i mean it was it was quite an experience it's uh i always say entrepreneurship is like some kind of a life school like you 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 learn so many stuff being an entrepreneur and uh so you just come in and you're you feel the stress. You feel that you know the imposter syndrome that you're just here. You're just a guy out of uni. You've no experience, whatever. And what are you gonna offer to this to this business owner here? So yeah, it was quite an experience, but we we caught our three to four clients that way, and that's why it's kind of a, kind of funny and stuck with me uh, since since then. Yeah.
1: I like that you mentioned that because in marketing, and I think it was Seth Godin who said that it's usually much more expensive to convince people of something, right? To change their minds. You don't want to change people people's minds. You want to resonate with people uh, who are on your wavelength. And it's funny that you mentioned the same thing about cutting clients who were not keen on social media. But one thing, and why I ask this question about how you decided to do it full-time uh, one thing that's really interesting to me all the time is with this new world of early entrepreneurship, because it's a new thing, right? People didn't used to become entrepreneurs at 20, right? And, and you're what? You're 24, 23, right? Yeah. 23. Yeah. So yeah, 23. And so people didn't used to become entrepreneurs at that age. And now you have content creators, you have bloggers, you have influencers, and people become rich and famous and successful at really young. And it's, uh, there's this friction, between the parents right between generations the generation gap so i wonder how it was for you how do you explain it to your parents that you don't want to get that inter- uh, internship at a real estate company and you just want to go and become an entrepreneur be your own man were they against you pursuing this career track or how was it
0: no i don't think they were against me Well, once I finished my studies in uni, I had the option to go to do a master's degree. So I did my bachelor's degree, which is three or three years. And I had an option to go, you know, go further, do a finance master's degree. That's what I was studying for. I thought that's what I wanted to do. But there was this opportunity to, you know, try to follow uh, uh, what I really loved and what I really wanted to do. And so at the beginning, it was like kind of a... the discussion was like kind of, well, this is just going to be a gap year. I'll see how it's going to be. But I think, I guess, deep inside, I knew that this is exactly what I wanted to do. Hmm. Like, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And maybe it's through my determination, my enthusiasm, my work ethic, that I think maybe that way, I convinced my parents that this is the thing, like, I'm grinding for this. This is not just some kind of uh, Thing that you know that I'm saying that I will work, but I don't. I do something else. I go party or whatever, and so I think that way they were actually more easygoing and they were more accept accepting of me uh, doing doing this this project and working on it.
1: well That's amazing, and God bless your parents because a, a lot of people a lot of people struggle with this and really just explaining what they want to do and uh, have to often go against their parents' wishes. But you mentioned the work ethic, and uh, we discussed this a bit earlier with you as well, about the fact that a lot of people quit, not only in entrepreneurship, but in content creation, and that perseverance and consistency and just showing up regularly is the key to success. And that's something that I write often about, that all you need is to focus on the process, and that it, it just... it everything takes time because I mentioned before that a lot of young people become successful nowadays. But the downside, the backlash of that is that we grew up seeing a lot of glory and success and early success. And we assume that because we have Amazon Prime delivery the next day that everything is so quick and cheap and possible, right? But some things don't take weeks or months. Some Things take years and decades. So uh, you mentioned your work ethic, and that's something that uh, is really interesting to me to know. And just I I, I think it kind of opens the door to y- your personality and to how you achieved the point at, w- at which you are now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I strongly agree with you about the work ethic and about the yeah what you said, focus on the process. I think it's the very very important most important thing, and. What I noticed being a young entrepreneur, and I think I noticed this in others, they are very impatient. We are all very impatient. And then we just want things to come in like right now. Yeah. Like we, we start a project. We're very excited. We're very motivated. We put in the work, no questions asked, like the work is there, but the results don't come in right away. And we start to, you know, just go down, a Uh, a path where we get less and less motivated we ask questions we have this uh, fear of missing out factor coming in that oh yeah well maybe we're missing out on another opportunity let's let's do something else this is something that i actually struggled with in the very beginning where we just had two three sometimes even four projects working at the same time because we thought well you know we diversify i mean if we diversify there's something's going to work but at the same time, what happened is that we were not 100% concentrated on one single task, yeah. not focusing on one process. And because of that, there are multiple projects that failed. And that was basically it. And you, instead of working 100% during six months on one thing, you work on it for 20%. And yeah. so it's, you know, it's, it, it doesn't add up into good numbers at the very end. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Warren Buffett says, nine women can't have a baby in one month, right? Like uh, it's it's the other it's the other way around. So you really need to find this balance between diversifying and not putting eggs in one basket. The oldest advice in the investment book, uh, and just really focusing. And I quoted Seth Godin before, and I'm going to quote him a lot because he's my favorite human being in the world. He has a book, a very short book. It's called The Dip and it really explains this concept. You, you basically have two types of quitting. You have the good quitting and the bad quitting. And the good quitting is when you know that things are not going anywhere, that there's a dead end. You know that this project is not gonna become something big, so you quit, right? Um, a lot of people persevere, but for the wrong reasons. And so that's good quitting. And the bad quitting is when things get difficult and when there's a dip right? And the dip always happens. And there are a lot of dips along the way. And they always happen. And people quit when they see the dip, because it's easy to quit and to start something new, because there's not going to be a dip, right? But eventually there will be, and you will quit again. And that way you just never build anything. So I think that a really important takeaway from all this is that you have to focus on something that you love, because it gives you an opportunity not to employ discipline too much. Because when you need discipline, that means you're probably not doing something that you're supposed to be doing because discipline burns a lot of energy. And doing something you love allows you to focus on the process. This doesn't mean that it's gonna be always easy. Like I don't wanna, some days I just don't wanna write. But I know that every time when I finish a piece or an article or whatever, I feel like I have more energy than when I started. And this keeps me going. Whereas if I didn't like writing, and if you didn't like what you do, if you didn't like marketing, you would get burnt out every night, and you would have to discipline yourself. And I think that's one of the reasons why people who are struggling and suffering at a job that they hate, they just get back home completely exhausted. And I had this experience like uh, I was working full time and I came home just completely exhausted. I hated it. And but when you do something you love and as you said, like it's it's a very inspiring story that you saw this entrepreneur and you knew that you wanted to be that when you have that, like you don't really need discipline. You just keep going on that energy that you receive.
0: Yeah, very true. And it's. uh, I think you it's it's good that you mentioned love and the passion because for me, that is the most important element in entrepreneurship. As long as you're passionate about what you do and as long as you, like Simon Sinek talks about in his Infinite Game book and this whole story about having a very strong why, having that vision of a future world and just being on a mission towards that end vision that you want to achieve well as long as you have that like there's nothing that should stop you you should just even through hard times entrepreneurship is a roller coaster i mean come on this is you have to admit it it's always in a roller coaster but as long as you have that passion like in also in the beatles uh beatles song all you need is love there's nothing that you can do that can't be done all you need is love like that is so so true that is so true
1: amazing i love that i love that thanks for that Speaking about content creation, coming back to our discussion, do you think it's possible right now to turn content creation into a career? And why I ask that is that um, we see a lot of people like Joe Rogan, right? I don't know, we see all these big influencers with millions of subscribers, and we usually assume that only they can have it, but is it possible for lay people, for average person, to turn content creation and just become like an o- online entrepreneur creating content full-time. W- what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, my answer is quite short. Sure. Yes, of course. And I think people should do it right now. You talked about Joe Rogan and all other content creators. You have to remember that all these people, they also started from zero. Yeah. like They were in the same point that any average Joe that just you know, wants to hop on YouTube, just start filming videos or just writing on Medium or whatever other platform. They started from that very basic moment from zero. And I really believe that right now, content creation and passion economy in general has a very, very bright future. And uh, as long as there's, yeah, I think as long as the time which is a very limited resource. As long as there are people that have enough time to consume the content, the passion economy, economy will grow.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, speaking about Joe Rogan, uh, I really think that, I mean, when anything new happens, right, and the content economy the passion economy if we can call it that it's kind of like its it, it evolves in a this in the same way that new, any new technology evolves so you have the early adopters right and you have the early hits and Joe Rogan and all those that we see online they're like the early hits they're like the people who became successful early on but I think that now the vast majority comes to the market like the middle class influencers right if you could call it that way and I think that in this new world you don't really have to have a million subscribers, it's okay. Like to go with the Kevin Kelly model, to have 1,000 true fans, to have like a subscription-based business, and to create for a niche. Right, the richest are in the niches. Uh, to create for a niche for your specific audience, and of course, uh, as you mentioned, time is scarce, attention is scarce. So the bar for the content quality goes higher and higher. Right. Uh, you can't assume to be creating mediocre content and just getting getting the same results. But yeah, I really think that you don't need to be Joe Rogan. It's still possible. And it's more possible now because a lot of people are attracted to content. A lot of people are attracted to people like Joe Rogan. It's actually more possible to create something niche and focused because these people with vast audiences, they can't serve everyone equally. I think that they give a lot because they have such a big audience, they can't create specific content
0: for like particular niches, you know what I mean? Exactly, and I think what you just said about niches is very interesting because these big influencers and content creators, as you said, they have a huge, uh, huge following and they have to try to appeal to that following. But at some time, I mean, if they want to niche down, which is something that they can do, but they have to understand that they're gonna lose a large part of that audience. Right. But at the same time, this creates an opportunity for all the other people which, which have this opportunity to choose some kind of very specific niche, something that really interests them, and to, yeah, just, just take that niche and to create content around it and create a, a personal brand, create a, a community around this niche. And, and I mean, I think it's possible with any type of niche possible. Like, just an example... I have a friend who sent me a, sent me a video on YouTube. It was kind of random. And he sent me a video of just a farmer, a guy who is living outside of the, of the whole westernized world. He's on a farm. He has a big farm. And all he does is just blogs his days, and he puts it out on YouTube. And the guy has 500,000 subscribers. Like, come on. If that, like, that's just a representation of what is possible to do.
1: I love that example, and I remember the first time that you told it to me, I started using it in some of my pods because I think it's a perfect example of how this new economy, this passion economy, this content economy allows people to really make a living by being who they are. Because, uh, before that, you really had to because if you want to make money, right, you have to create something that people want, so not only is this something that you want to do, but it's something that people want as well, right? So you have to combine it. And before that, like before the internet, if nobody liked your song, you were screwed. You had to go, I don't know, wait tables for something, right? But now you can actually choose your audience. You're not constricted to your local market. You can find people all across the globe. If you're interested in black pens, I can make a a Substack newsletter and have 5,000 people across the globe who are interested in black pens, right? And make my living based on subscription model from that. And yeah, I think it's amazing that you don't have to choose yourself. I mean, you, you don't have to change yourself. You can choose yourself. And that's amazing. That's amazing.
0: To really choose your niche. And like you mentioned, like right now, the access to building an audience is much easier than it was 20 years ago or whatever. And this access, well, at the same time, it's good for, you know, it creates opportunity. But at the same time, it becomes harder and harder to create a real connection with that niche and with that audience. And this is where it's important to, you know, to also understand basics of human interactions, human connections, and also your marketing or how to, you know, build a business out of it. Because everybody, everybody, I guess on YouTube back in the days when just YouTube just came out, the, the whole goal of YouTube was just to, you know, for content creators, just to show a video of cats or whatever. Like the very first videos were about cats and, uh, and makeup and people. Yeah. And also makeup and all that stuff. And, what why did they do it? Well, just because they that's what they liked. That's they just told themselves, well, why not? And nobody even thought of creating a business around it. Well, right now yeah. the access is much it's much easier to access this opportunity, but it's much diff, it's much more difficult to create a strong business out of it
1: right and this uh relates to something that you said earlier when i asked you whether it's possible to become a content entrepreneur a creative entrepreneur and you said that not only possible but you're supposed to because i think that media is uh really becoming this main asset like the internet is media right and whoever has the attention the exposure, the piece of that pie wins. So, really, it's an asset that's worth more than money. Like, if we are in our early 20s, both of us, and I think that really at 30 years old, I would much rather have an audience of 100,000 subscribers, just an example, than, I don't know, $100,000 from the bank, just, just an example. If I had to choose, I would choose an audience because the audience would give me money as well. It would give me everything, right? I can build a business on top of it. I can, I don't know, I can promote a cause. It's a platform and you need that platform. And I think that the world is really changing towards the fact that you build this media platform first and then you build everything on top. And that's why you have so many companies that are starting right now. They start from a blog. So they start blogging first. They start creating content first. They become media first companies, is that what you see in your uh, work as well?
0: You mean in terms of companies creating creating content as well?
1: Yeah, create, becoming media-first companies, basically. Just um, becoming blogs first and then companies.
0: Yes, I do. I, th- I think it's a trend. I mean, definitely, as you said, like audience and attention is the biggest asset. And I don't know where it's going to go, but I think it's going to go to a point where we will have to pay for people's attention. Right now, it's free. And yeah I hate to mention him, but Gary Vaynerchuk he said this iron re- i don't remember how many years ago, yeah, like, this thing is free, this thing is free, like use it,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's kind of like the gold rush in the very beginning. Like you had all this gold just laying there, right? And like nobody would take it. (laughs) Like it it is basically the same thing is happening with attention. Slightly less so right now since you have, since people are are really just jumping on this bandwagon and and they see that, um, like, I don't know, you have different blogs creating paywalls. I think that's one of the things that is happening right now with media. They're switching from the advertising model where they maximize the exposure and the reach to make money brand sponsorships and they're going towards paywalls and subscription based model i think that's one of the backlashes of this attention economy because it's a win-win for people and for the companies the companies make a consistent stream of income and for the people they get only the curated quality content but they have to pay for it right mm-hmm. uh, me- medium as a platform is kind of trying to bring it all together under one roof. We'll we'll see where that goes. But yeah, I mean, attention is becoming an asset, and it's interesting where it's going to go.
0: Well, Um, this subscription-based model is very, I think, I don't know exactly when it came out, but uh, I don't think it just came out right now. It's just right now you see a lot of content creators actually started to use it and yeah. uh, companies as well and i think it's going to be a very strong business model like you said for as long as the audience for as long as the community behind the brand behind the company or behind the content creator himself is interested to consume even more content you know it's it, it's a it's a simple rule of supply and demand and I, that's yeah. where and that's where it meets and that's why i really see a strong future in uh subscription-based models, uh, yeah, for the future.
1: Yeah, and uh, on that note, I love what Substack is doing, and that's one of the reasons why I switched my newsletter to that, because, I mean, Substack is doing something revolutionary, because for as long as the printing press was invented, this advertising model, this media model, where you sold a newspaper at a loss but made that money through advertising right so you made it you made mm-hmm. extra you made the margin via advertising is slowly dying away because nobody can become joe rogan's i mean not everybody can become joe rogan's and have these millions of subscribers and you need a huge reach for that model to work that's why the big rupert murdoch companies became conglomerates and have this huge exposure because they can make money via advertising revenue but when you're small when you're niche people think it's impossible because they're still thinking in context of the 20th century of the advertising model where you need to have a huge exposure to make money on brands but when you have a small audience like 500 people 1,000 people and you charge you have 1,000 people and you charge everyone five dollars you make 5k per month And that's a good living to most folks and I think it's amazing it's really liberating and not only for media comms but for people and for new content creators Uh, that's actually uh, the model that I aspire to build like I specifically focus only on content creation and uh, not even marketing per se but like content creation because Mm -hmm. I understand that if I focus on artists and bloggers and writers and podcasters and people like me like uh, that that's my niche that's my audience and I want to serve only these people i don't need all of these people because like that's that that, that's not the change that i want to make and i think that this membership model really just allows people to really ask themselves what change do i want to make in this world again you don't have to change yourself you can just really be who you want to be and make a good living on it and i think that's amazing
0: yeah definitely and uh, i think in terms of all platforms and what you just said about things going from you know, a platform that is free and that platform using the advertising business model in order to gain revenue, well, typically yeah. like YouTube right now, is <clears throat> suddenly switched to a more subscription-based model where people just didn't want any advertising. They just wanted the content. They wanted the goods. Yeah. And then you, you see Netflix coming out and really becoming, uh, you know, a leader, uh, a leader in the film industry instead of, well, yeah, I mean, there's cinema, there's... Uh, rental dvds and all that stuff but they're becoming becoming this very very strong uh, media platform as well and now what you see is not is not just the platform but the human being can become his own platform and that's what i find really fascinating where every human being can become his own platform decide the rules and as you mentioned at the very end just choose whatever the person you want to be for as long as there's demand for the content. That's it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, my hypothesis is that really, you don't even have to think about demand. I mean, of course you do, right? But in some way you don't because you can always find it. Like chances are there is an audience for everything in the world. Like we have almost 8 billion people in the world. It's gonna be 8 billion in two years. And chances are you are gonna find 1,000 people somewhere in the world who are interested in your crazy weird thing that you're interested in the key skill is to know where to look for those people and i think that i think that these new platforms like medium youtube and facebook to, and linkedin to some extent they allow you to build this audience and let's make that a transition to linkedin because you are a very big expert in linkedin and b2b content and i'll be honest when when i hear people talk about creating content on LinkedIn. I don't know what that means. Could you tell me what is it like? What kind of content should you be creating? Who is it for? Is it because in my in my head LinkedIn is this social businessy network where people pretend that they want to connect with you but really they just want to sell you something and it's all like full of entrepreneurs and marketers and everyone just wants to sell you something. So in, in, in this world, how do you stand out? What kind of content should you create? Just elaborate on that.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, like just talking about LinkedIn, for me personally, it's just a tool. It's just another social media platform. It's a way to create connection with other people, join a community, share thoughts. It's just another platform. It's another tool. I don't see LinkedIn as, and I don't see really myself as a LinkedIn expert. I see myself more as a personal brand and marketing expert that uses LinkedIn as a tool. And in general, it's very uh, very interesting that you mentioned this belief that people have that LinkedIn is still like it was back in the early in its early ages, where it's super formal. It was just based with uh, different CVs. You just put your your information there, and it's just there to sit for recruiters to go and just look for people. Well, to be honest with you, LinkedIn changed drastically. Like it's it's crazy how it changed, and right now. I would say in terms of general vibe, general vibe of the content and the general vibe of the people sharing stuff and sharing ideas, it's very, very positive. Like people try to inspire, they give a lot of value, there's very little beef, there's very little negative negativity, And but also at the very end, you have to understand that LinkedIn, the whole goal of LinkedIn is to, well, I guess or to do business or to do some kind of business like finding a job or getting a new business opportunity like that's the overall goal because the people who are on it who are using that kind of platform that's that's what they do that's their that that's their job and in terms of content i mean you find any type of content on linkedin to be honest with you some people on linkedin they they start to say that, oh, it's becoming a, a second Facebook, oh, it's becoming too personal, oh, it's going to be, become like Facebook, we don't want this, we want it to be formal. Well, I mean, yes, I would say it's shifting more towards that kind of vibe, Facebook Live vibe, where it's more personal, there's more things to be shared. It's not only about the formal stuff, it's not only about business. At the end of the day, a personal brand is not only about your business of what you do. It's also about who you are, what are your values, your stories. And this is something that I'm trying to push to people that, you know, it's not only about the business, share your own stories, but bring value through those stories. And this is the type of content that I personally like to consume. Other people's stories, sharing what they think, you know, documenting things, And more the type of, well, here are the one, two, three tips on how to do whatever. This is like kind of another giving value type of uh, uh, content where I don't really agree with it. I don't really like it because it's just just giving tips. It's just giving additional information where we already have so much information. We have Google. We have YouTube. People can just type how to whatever they want to do, and they get their tips right away. LinkedIn is not for that, I, as, as what I see, it's not like to look for tips, it's more to really create connections and market yourself, build a community, share stories and share valuable stories. That's what LinkedIn content for me is.
1: So what you're saying, it's really no different from, let's say, Medium. And I actually know an example, not personally, but there is this writer on Medium. He's a very big writer. I think he has like 60K followers, Tim Denning. He's from Australia, and he started from LinkedIn, whereas a lot of like I started on Medium. Like that's my first platform, but I'm the new generation writers because the older generation writers are started somewhere else, like on LinkedIn. A lot of people started Quora. But Tim Denning specifically, I think he started on LinkedIn, and uh, I think that he was creating uh, a lot of personal content. And that was something that really surprised me because, as I said, I had this belief that – and I use LinkedIn, and I have my – profile updated and everything but i have this believe that because in my experience a lot of people try to sell me every time when i log on linkedin they connect with me and they present me some some product of theirs and right now they pitch me ideas for articles and stuff but uh, yeah i mean what you say is really interesting that we don't need more information like tips so we need more personal stories and we need more personal connection and in that way really the uh, difference between various platforms kind of like erases right can you say that? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's true. And uh, talking about personal stories and sell, people selling you stuff on LinkedIn, I mean, it, it happens all the time. It happens to me as well. People just, you know, uh, reach out and uh, saying, "Well, are you interested in this?" Or "Hello, this is what I do. Buy for me, please." You have to like really understand the difference between. Uh, I think even Gary Vaynerchuk uses this branding and then selling. Like, there is a lot of selling going on on LinkedIn, like very hardcore selling, cold outreach and all that stuff. But if you focus on the branding, the selling will do its job for you. Like, brand, brand yourself as though you're here, you're on the platform, you're here to create a positive impact. You're here because you're passionate about what you do and because you want to help people. And at the very end, what's going to happen is that if you do it correctly, if you have a good marketing strategy to do the branding correctly, people will come and reach out to you and you won't need to do the selling. And, and so, so yeah, that was just about just something that I wanted to, to mention about, about LinkedIn is that I think in terms of just content creation, if you don't have a business behind it, if you don't have nothing to sell, you're just content creating. I wouldn't say LinkedIn is the best platform for it. I think LinkedIn is more aimed to, you know, you do the branding, you do, you do, you give out value, but at the same time, at the very end, like it's more kind of formal, there's more business going on on LinkedIn than there is on Medium, for example, where Medium is just content. It's, it's, it's really powerful about content there. I'm sure there's also selling going on behind it, but it's not the platform I wouldn't say it's really for it, as long as I, how I see it.
1: Oh, that's, that's actually quite interesting because, as you said, really, uh, on Medium, content and your piece is the product. So the readers are paying $5 per month. They're paying for that product, right? And this money is then distributed to writers and authors. Whereas on LinkedIn, you have a slightly different context and the psychology of people consuming and creating content is a bit different. It's kind of like on Instagram, you have it a bit different than it is on Facebook, on Twitter, where you have this different context in which your mind works. It's kind of like you have a cafe and you have a restaurant and you have a home and like uh, you behave in a different way, right? You don't wear flip-flops to a meeting and you don't like wear a suit to a pool. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the same thing. And yeah, so on LinkedIn, when you create content... People assume and they expect you to have something behind it. So that's like the general, the general idea. Is, is that how it is?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I would if I would recommend someone to go to LinkedIn, it would be more to people who have some kind of business behind it. Like otherwise, I would just you know tell people why choose LinkedIn. I mean, the videos I do, I do one video per week. But at the same time, I, I understand people are LinkedIn. They don't have twenty minutes. 20 minutes to spare and to consume my video, even if it's like the best video I've ever made, very valuable. I mean, people work people. This is, this is more like a business kind of environment, you know? And so it's more important to concentrate on, you know, short type of content. That's why I think LinkedIn actually has a character limit of 1,300 characters, which Mm -hmm. is very, very small. If you, if you think about it and, Video length. I mean, they don't have they don't have a limit, but at the same time, you can quickly see. I mean, if the the audience doesn't know you, and the video is more than four minutes, five minutes, they would just not watch because because they don't know you, and they're not gonna you know just wa- waste not really waste, but uh, spend five minutes of their time on learning from someone they don't even know. That's why in terms of video, if you're doing video and if you're creating uh, content for video. There's YouTube. Why, why, why choose LinkedIn? That's how I see it. So what are your videos about? My videos are actually about. It's kind of random, I would say. Sometimes it's about marketing, but most of the time it's about my vision, my values, and what I really. Yeah, I would say my values. Like something, something. For example, I would say I'm all about you know becoming a better human being than i was yesterday trying to improve trying to find ways to optimize things for example sharing a video on sleep because i watched a podcast of joe rogan podcast on sleep and i did a video just to just to wrap up the things that i've learned and share to that that was actually my most successful video it's funny do you do it in um, english or in french i do everything in french okay i do everything in french so because, yeah, I see, I, I, see, I see it as if you start to communicate in different languages, there's going to be a lot of confusion. People yeah. will be confused, and yeah. they would just not create the same kind of connection with you as if you were concentrating on one thing, promoting one thing, promoting a couple of subjects, and focusing on one language as well. Right.
1: And, and you have an audience that's in French. So, I mean, it, it makes sense, like speaking about the niches, right? It makes sense for you to focus on that and to build yeah. engagement and build a relationship with that.
0: And um, I use video more to create an additional connection with with my audience. So right. it's more a way to show well, my face and how I behave, how I talk. And because that's the way, really how you create a strong connection by, you know, by seeing the person. I mean, it's it's much easier to create a connection that way than just reading something like an article or yeah, or an article or whatever, some kind of LinkedIn post. And so it's just some kind of additional piece of content that I use to create additional connection. And I use uh, my own values as the main topic of those videos. So productivity, sometimes marketing, but mostly about productivity, mostly about how to I actually made a lot lot of videos about passion economy, something that I really like, and something about, you know, just sharing my own, my own why, my own interest, and something additional to all the other content that I I do about personal branding and marketing.
1: Yeah, that's, that actually brings something to mind. Um, A lot of people say that their problem is they don't know what to create, like, they don't have any ideas for content. Well, I think that When you watch somebody else's content or consume somebody else's content and you put a spin on it and you have your own ideas and you add your own story to it it becomes your content so i mean you can really do this remixes and it's not plagiarism because you're giving it your personal spin one of the best content that i saw on linkedin was a couple of months ago it was from a guy who lost his job in london in a big media company i think it was buzzfeed uk So he lost his job, and I think he was like a content director. And uh, he he was just so honest. And he said something like, one of of the first posts that I saw on LinkedIn was that he he said that we don't have to be extraordinary right now. We just have to live through this. The pandemic is still going on. We just have to sit tight and get through this. And because he said he sees a lot of people on LinkedIn just posting uh, updates about new jobs and projects. And he said just we're all going to be extraordinary later. That's the first post that i saw from him and then he started just giving advice and he said that okay i lost my job but like i I really want to be vulnerable and personal here here is what i learned from 10 years of creating content for big companies And and he said like if somebody wants a free consultation just contact me and i contacted him and he connected me to different people and it's amazing that it's, it's related to what you said earlier about personal stories. He was very vulnerable, very personal. He didn't create more information about tips and hacks and tactics to become a better, I don't know, whatever... He he just went very personal and very sincere and uh, yeah I, th- I think that that's that's the best content everywhere but on LinkedIn specifically I think it kind of stands out because uh, a lot of people view it like me view it like as a very business environment and when you get personal kind of stands out. Is that your experience
0: Definitely. as well? Definitely and this is actually well I mean if you saw that post that post definitely was successful and yeah. analyze <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if we analyze that success what happened is the person just suddenly realized that why just not share his own story he yeah. shared his story and what actually happened is that a lot of people resonated with him in terms of being you know being down being vulnerable and and suddenly you know just people always root for the underdog they always yeah. like the underdog story and something something positive happening at the very end and so this kind of storytelling is the most powerful and i always uh, tell my clients and i some this is something that i share on my linkedin posts and one of my themes is just be authentic and be yourself yes of course talk about give value talk about tips talk about really your your ideal clients' problems and try to create a gap in order for them to really understand and to to come to you in order to just do the marketing well, but don't forget to do the branding. Don't forget the storytelling behind it because that's where the real connection is made.
1: Yeah. And I mean, content, I mean, you create content to be seen, right? But I, I think that content is on one hand, it's a vehicle for ideas, right? So you transport ideas through content, but content is really all about connection and it doesn't really matter where you create content. And this, this kind of resonates with what Brene Brown is saying a lot on vulnerability and I have her book, uh, Daring Greatly. It's an amazing book. And she talks about vulnerability and that it's the key to, she basically, she, she conducted a 20 year long research on vulnerability. And what she's basically saying is that all we as humans really want is connection. And vulnerability is not key, Uh, it's not a weakness, it's ye to connection. It's kind of like this door that you unlock. And she actually has a podcast called Unlocking Us, where she talks about vulnerability. So I really think that it's not a tactic, because it's, it's scary. I mean, being vulnerable and going personal is scary, but it really opens up a lot of opportunity for connection, for discussion, for resonance, for empathy. And that person that I just mentioned, I think he did all of that. And it's amazing that a U.S. person, who's working a lot with B2B and, and businesses on LinkedIn, a very professional network, agrees with this thesis.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something about vulnerability. I mean, I I do uh, meditation every single day, and yeah. there's just one on an app called Seven Mind, and uh, there's just this one topic that uh, really comes. Well, you can choose your basically your topic, and there's one on vulnerability, and you have a series of five meditations for during the five days and this is where i don't know why how how and why it happened but this is where i really learned that exactly what you just said the vulnerability is actually a power it's 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 not at all a weakness it's a it's it's a it's a it's a a force you can you can use it and you can yeah you can do really good things with it and create a real connection uh, but it's also very important to remember that being vulnerable, sharing your own story out there and posting on LinkedIn, posting on any single, you know, any single platform, it's a big step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Like it, it's it's a big step. I remember when I first did my, I did my very first video on YouTube, I was stressing about the reaction. I was, you know, I was, I feared, well, what are, they, what are people going to say? What are people going to think about me? How do I look and all that stuff? And this very first step, out of your comfort zone the very first post the very first story you share is the most difficult this is where you fear this is where your fear is at the highest but you have to understand that after that every single step after that becomes easier and easier and easier yeah because yeah
1: yeah i i totally resonate with you i feel on, on the good days on the good writing days i feel very insecure like this th- this morning, I published a piece on Medium about the Bohemian life, and uh, the fact that it's an alternative to consumerism, and I felt really insecure like uh, voicing these ideas because a lot of people disagree with me. And uh, I actually uh, Stephen Pressfield has a book or of art, and he talks about resistance. You can actually use this fear this insecurity this vulnerability and this feeling of nakedness as a compass like if if you if you feel all of that it means you're doing something worthwhile
0: mm, that's a, yeah that's a good way to think about it definitely and uh, but again yeah it's 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 just a question of the very first step out of that comfort zone and after that i think it's just very important to note down to to the listeners and to just spread this message that the very, step, uh, the very first step is the hardest, but after that, it's, it becomes easier and easier and easier.
1: And that's actually one of, the, one of the reasons why you should have a work ethic and just show up regularly, because you build this momentum, and it just gets the ball rolling, and it becomes easier and easier uh, the more you do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. it, and it comes to a point where, I guess, like you talk about being insecure as a writer, but... This is security is never as strong as it was like, I don't know, a year ago or uh, well, when did you start writing? It's never as strong. It's still there. There's still some kind of fear. There's still some kind yeah. of, oh, well, what are people going to think about me? But it's never as strong as it was before.
1: Yeah. And you learn to coexist with it, to be honest, because mm-hmm. when I first started writing, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I, I, I'm I, feeling I'm feeling like shit. Like uh, no, nobody feels like this. But the more you do it, you just basically learn that it's OK that it's there. And it's supposed to be there. That's that's part of the job, right? But could you talk a little bit about, and we're going to be soon wrapping up. Could you talk a little bit about your work ethic? Like, how do you work? Like, what, what, what does your day consist of? Because I assume that you're um, a very practical, and rational person. Too, so I would love to hear that.
0: Definitely. Well, I think we could start off the very first thing, and that's sleep. I think sleep is very, very important for any human being, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention it again. But the very famous podcast, Joe Rogan podcast with Matthew Walker on sleep. You watch that; it's gonna change the, your whole belief around sleep and why it's so okay. important. It will change your whole viewpoint. Very first thing is the sleep. Been getting regular sleep and being basically in, in shape, and then. What I can mention after that is a good morning routine. So what I do, I mix with a little bit of sports, a little bit of planning and scheduling the day, also mixing it with some kind of, what's it called, gratitude, I would say. It's just a way of showing gratitude and noting down, why are you grateful for for today? What are you grateful for? Meditation and, yeah, just planning your day. And what I, what I do to plan my day and my work ethic is, is that I plan everything in advance so I know every single day I wake up, I plan it, and I know exactly what I need to do. I have the tasks. And at the, very, at the, at the end of the day, I check all the boxes, what I've done. And this is just a good way of you know, structuring your whole day and being also account- accountable and actually doing what you set yourself to, to do. This is very, very, very important. And one thing that I added not too long ago—it was a couple of months ago—and it's a self-talk, uh, a self-talk exercise. I uh, read this book. It's called "What What to Say When You Talk to Yourself," and I very recommend it to any person who's listening, and to you as well. Uh, it's it's basically that the author says that every single thing that we think about is our own, is, is the own story in our head. So it's, it's just a story in our head. And our brain doesn't have a filter of knowing what is true and what is false. It just accepts everything that we tell it. So if all around you people say, oh, you're, you're I don't know, you're not confident in public speaking, and you continue to say that in your head, what's going to happen is that your mind is going to program that as it's true it's going to affect your beliefs, so your belief is, is going to affect, is, is going to be affected then it's going to affect your your feelings and then it's going to affect your actions and so it's it's a self fulfilling prophecy basically so if you continue to talk about being and thinking that you're not good enough you, you're just repeating that to yourself every single day well the action is what's going to happen in the end is that you're not going to you're not going to persevere, you're not going to become successful. But the very important thing is that every single story that you that you have in your head, you can reprogram it. And you can note down exactly the story that you want to tell to your brain to accept. And so basically what this book is, is just a way of he tells you how to reprogram all that stories. And this is a simple exercise, It's a very simple exercise, you just read, five minutes a day, every single day, this thing that you wrote to yourself, and it's going to reprogram your complete being. And I would say like, it's been what, two, three months since I started. And I already feel the difference. I already feel that I act, I'm very, am way more confident when I, you know, say something on, on the video, way more confident when I talk to Clients. When I talk to my potential clients as well, because that that is very important in sales. Being being confident in yourself and in your product. And so this some this is something that I, I would advise to everybody to 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 put in in their into work ethic because it's going to really affect the results of the work that you put in.
1: Wow, I think that's very profound, Michelle. To be honest, I think that there's so much that we as a species just don't understand about the workings of our brain, yet I totally agree that the narrative that you tell yourself about your life shapes your life. So you're basically a script writer of how you're feeling, and how you're feeling creates your actions and the actions that you make. This reminds me of two things. Naval Ravikant's brother, Kamal Ravikant, wrote a book. An ebook. He actually self published it on Amazon. It's called Love Yourself as If Your Life Depends on It. It was a short ebook. It became a bestseller like in in the first two weeks. And um, the publishers uh, later just saw the book and gave gave him a publishing deal. But it was a self published ebook before that. He was suffering from depression. The thing that he, like the medicine didn't work for him, psychotherapists didn't work for him. The only thing that saved his life basically was. Waking up each morning and just looking at himself in the mirror and saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I love myself. I love you. Like my reflection, whatever. He didn't believe it at first because like uh, a lot of people, especially perfectionists, they are really tough on themselves. And it's really like about lack of self-love. And he kept just repeating it. Over and over every day until it his brain just accepted it as the truth. But at first it was really hard. Like for the first month he didn't believe himself. Just kept on talking. That's one thing. And I'm again as we're gonna put all the books and everything we mentioned the show notes. And uh, I'll definitely put this book and what you mentioned as well. The second thing is on Tim Ferriss' podcast. One of his favorite guests that he calls over and over. I think he called him like three times. Derek Sivers, the founder of CD Baby. He has a thing called I think he wrote it about it in his blog as well. when somebody asked Derek how do you become confident?" he said, "Oh, I just decide to be like I decide <laughs> to be confident it's It's a switch right so I mean if you think that you're not confident like as you said it's it's a narrative that it's a self fulfilling narrative, but mm-hmm. if you just decide to be confident, you start acting like play as if you're confident and you become confident as a result because sometimes your actions define your thought patterns, not the other way around, right? So like you are happy. And so you smile, but you can smile and become happier. Like it works both ways really. And there's research on this, but yeah, I mean, what you're saying is really cool and really fascinating and something that any creative and me in particular really need, because I think that most creative people suffer from self doubt and just general insecurity and just not knowing uh, what's gonna happen, what people are gonna think about it, and just yeah, it's very interesting, very profound. Thank,
0: not even that. talking only about creatives. I just think it's 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 an essential thing for for all human beings. I mean, at the same time, this is I don't think this is something that came out like right now. I mean, yeah. as well, there's a book by Christopher Waltz, I think his name is, and it's called Psycho Cybernetics, which talks a little bit about what I just mentioned, but I just find that what to say when you talk to yourself, is much easier to read, much easier to understand, and much easier to implement, which is the most important thing. Any process on when you work on yourself, it has to be simple in order to work. Yeah. That's why this book, it really concentrates on a very simple process where you you have some kind of theory. You have a specific plan of action. What you need to do, and then you just repeat, 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 and repeat again. And like you said, with with the example with the person that just said said to the mirror, "I love myself. I love myself." Well, what happened is, typically the brain took some time, but it certainly became some kind of a habit and some kind of a brain switch where, some, at some point, the brain just accepted what the, what the person was telling it and uh, yeah so it's it's, it's passionate uh, th- th- this whole uh, this whole uh, you know thing about people think that in order to become successful well you need to wait when you become successful and then you change well that's a that's completely wrong you have to start with yourself you have to change in order to become successful and that's uh, this is something that you said as well you have to start with yourself like exactly if you want to be happier like smile you don't wait for the moment and just be happy just start smiling
1: right the way i view it is when you're a content creator or an entrepreneur really anybody who leads people a leader you can't lead people unless you lead yourself first so leadership is not this thing it's not a standalone thing you have to be a leader of yourself of your family or within the family and then you can become a leader of the community of the people. Like it doesn't work that way that you can lead people and not lead yourself. Like it just doesn't make sense. It's two sides of the same coin. So yeah, I think that when you go from that, when you start with yourself, you have the potential to change other people as well. But we are running short on time, and I want to get close to wrapping up. But before we do, I really want to talk to you about your signature method, as you yourself call it, on LinkedIn. Could you just explain what that is and how it works?
0: Definitely. So the signature method is basically my way of doing marketing and personal branding as an independent coach or consultant. So what you do is first you you dive into a deep analysis of firstly who you are, who are you as a human being, what are your values, what is your why, what is your vision, what is your big idea, what do you want to achieve? Really understanding that in order to create, implement all those elements into your personal brand. Then on the other side, you dive deeply into the analysis of your target market. Really, I call it the ideal client. Because the goal here is not to just focus on some kind of target market and be okay with it and uh, say to yourself, well, I'm going to help all people who are struggling with this. You have to be very, very specific nowadays in order to create an appealing message and to in, in order to capture really that attention of, of the people. And so this is the, the, the two analysis that you have to do in the very beginning, then you do Uh, Then you concentrate on the positioning. So you really create a strong positioning in order to become the, the best and the only option for your target market. You position yourself as the best and the only option in the market. And then finally, there's the communication method where it's your because it's your personal brand, because it's your way of sharing your own stories as well. Not only giving value, not only attracting clients to your business but you are implementing your own why, your own big idea and your own values into your, com- your marketing. This is why at the very end it's like a letter and it, it needs a, your signature on it. So for every client that comes and works with me, I always tell them this is your signature method because this is your method of communicating. You're concentrating yourself on what you want to become and what you want to share and who you want to serve. This is why it's very different from every single person.
1: What are some of the steps that you go by developing this method when you work with clients? Could you share maybe some of before-after experience?
0: Yeah, so I, I focus on the, in the very beginning, I focus on the fundamentals of entrepreneurship, which is mindset and productivity. So I have two modules on that then i have the fundamentals of any business which is concentrating on the who and the what so really focusing on who's your ideal client how to analyze that ideal client and constructing an offer that is aligned to the, the needs of that client so that's the who and the what and then you then you go into the signature method the the marketing uh, the marketing strategy the personal branding and that's where basically uh, the, the person learns how to my client learns how to use copywriting techniques and use different types of content in order to promote himself, promote his business, also create that connection and attract clients and convert them after that.
1: Okay, so you basically educate entrepreneurs. And is it um, an open online course? Is it one-on-one
0: coaching? How do you typically work? It's one-on-one coaching for now. I, I'm not yet interested in doing an online course, not, not right at all right, 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 right now. But uh, definitely in the future, this is something that's interesting. But right now, I focus really on the entrepreneur because I really like that human connection. I like working with a like-minded person who is ambitious, who's passionate about what he's doing. This is something that gives me drive. It makes me want to work better with, with that person and coach him and really show him the way around and really how to. It's funny, it's funny because one of, one of my clients actually uh, used an analogy, a metaphor to, to explain like how it was with, with me coaching him. It's like, I didn't know how to swim. I was just floating and you taught me how to swim. <laughs> you because taught me how you, to battle. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you can float and you can still not drown. You can yeah. You can do it by yourself, but you won't be able to swim. You won't be able to go where you want to go. And he used that analogy to explain, well, Michelle, you taught me how to swim.
1: Yeah, but your main KPI, like after people work with you, right? So you want entrepreneurs to be able to brand themselves with content on LinkedIn specifically, or is it just general?
0: LinkedIn is the main, again, LinkedIn for me is a tool, so it's, an, it's another social but media platform. Is it
1: a tool for you to find clients, or do you use it as a tool to teach clients how to use it as well?
0: Both. I use it as a tool to find clients my, myself because most of my target market is on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And that's where I that's where I find basically my, my people. And I always advise my clients to choose the platform where the ideal target market is mostly present. But then at the very end, it's up to me because I also like to choose, kind of choose my clients, the, the people who I want to work with. I choose the people I work with wh- where I'm confident that they're going to get the results and in the shortest amount of time as possible. This is mm-hmm. this is basically my criteria of 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 working with with the people. Like, uh, if 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 I see a person that is a consultant, but I don't know uh, his or her main target market, I don't know is on Instagram on TikTok. Well, I might have second thoughts. I would might think, well, maybe. I shouldn't work with this client because I'm more capable with Facebook and LinkedIn.
1: Right. You're not sure that you're going to offer the same value as to someone else who does marketing on LinkedIn. I see. Michelle, thanks so much for the conversation. If people want to ask you advice or somehow reach out to you, where should we send them?
0: My LinkedIn profile, Michelle Strukov on, on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me. You can uh, just add uh, add me on LinkedIn. Send me a message. I'm always willing uh, to, uh, to share things and to really just talk with different entrepreneurs who are passionate about what they do. I'm always open. The only thing that I communicate and always post in French, but at the same <laughs> time, I'm always open to discussion in English.
1: That's amazing. Thanks so much for being my first guest. I think this went really well. I personally enjoyed our conversation and I definitely hope that we do it some, sometime soon. Thank you. Would love to. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Before you go, make sure to stop by my daily newsletter on content creation as a career. You can find more at honestcreative.substack.com.